Do hello and welcome, friends, to another 11 p.m. nightcap. Krista stopping in with 10 bits. Thank you so much for the 10 bits. I so very much appreciate that, Krista. Didn't have to do that, but I uh, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, again, you've been a great supporter and a great friend, so I really appreciate it. Here's a little bit of a weird cheers. Wow, it makes my face red. It's a this blue, like a large, refreshing vodka drink today. I think I'm going to do a little bit of some stretching workout uh, after the stream. Use my uh, little stretchy bench. I had a, it's kind of a tiring Monday. I got my whole work day. Kind of derailed with some crapola, so by the time I got done, I was just exhausted and tired. So, as you can see by the slightly excessive uh, 5 o'clock shadow, I did not go to the gym. So, I'm feeling a little crusty. Feeling a little crusty and a little, a little tired. Mmm, um, hello vodka, my own friend. I've come to drink you again. Thoughts that are crazy. Rolling po Russian, Polish, or first from some other country. And I've drank until I'm passed out on the floor. Can't drink no more. Passed out in the sound of my vomit. <laughs> There's some impromptu Simon and Garfunkel for you. I hope you enjoyed that. God, I am the worst. I'm like the worst person ever. <laughs> As you do. Hi, uh, Black Cat's Poppy. How are you doing? That's probably Black Cat's Poppy's new favorite song. Yep, it is. I got hugs and claps. <laughs> but even though we are uh, sort of horsing around here at the beginning of the show, we have to do a little bit of a serious slash interesting, at least for me, in. Uh, interesting and intriguing thing to talk about kind of as we move through the second half and as we've discussed a lot of times on this show the things uh that we talk about and bring up <clears throat> are not meant to are not meant to cause anger or upset um it is a slightly controversial topic but I think it's worth exploring. So I have an, uh, an article with a lot of interesting information, and I would like to share it. Krista's got to refresh. She's watching a Chinese movie. What Chinese movie? Is it like uh, subtitled? <sighs> Black Cat, how was your day today? And uh, thank you so much to everyone who stops by and lurks, hangs out. 
uh, or otherwise. I really appreciate that so much. Um, but yeah, today, like, I, I just had one of those days. I'm like, I'm like discombobulated. I did such a stupid move. So, okay, you're back. It was called the Cigar Goyle Lounge. Uh, good, took a long walk, knocked you out. Wait, this is a Chinese movie? <laughs> I'm not sponsored by China. Took, uh, where did you walk to, Black Cat? I, I went, so after I took a, I was like, I need to take a nap. So I took a nap. And I was like, okay, let's uh, get some dinner. So I'm going to take a nice motorcycle ride because the weather was nice today. Take a motorcycle ride and get some dinner. So I get all set. I get all the gear and everything on. I ride on out to where I'm going to eat. Uh, park there. Um go into the place, take my helmet off, start to get set up, and I didn't have my wallet. <laughs> so I had to turn around and ride back home, and then I'm like, geez, it's like, fucking now, shit's gonna start, like, closing, whatever, I'm like, fucking, so I ended up just getting fast food, which is not what I wanted to do, so... I feel like I'm on double secret awful probation. Didn't get my workout in, ate crappy fast food. Just having an off Monday, as it were. But um, at the very least, at least the crapola that I had at work got more or less resolved. We'll see, because every day is a new adventure. You never know what horseshit you're going to run into. Um, but Black Cat took a walk to Denver neighborhood. Old houses, shitty houses. Well, I'm excited because my gym membership is starting again next week. Awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Um, like, and, and I clearly yesterday... Did not go to bed when I should have. Didn't get the sleep that I should have. And so, I was just like... Krista was so bummed she missed the nightcap last night. Must have passed out early. And all the next things you knew, it was 8.30. Got woken up by the boyfriend saying goodnight at 1am. So I watched the VOD then. You know, that was a that was a quiet VOD. It was a, it was a quiet VOD. But, like always some important stuff, some important conversations. Uh, number one, me rambling about my dad, but then, um, you know, just talking still about the, the whole creative process and struggles, um, imposter syndrome, that sort of thing. So as always, uh, I'm sort of the, the, what I was originally going to talk about, I ended up not talking about at all. But that's good, because I love when there's interaction like that in the chat. And we end up uh, talking about or discussing something that's clearly important. And I also, for as much as I have things that I want to bring up, it's important to me to 
talk about the stuff that that you guys are feeling or going through. So, you know, if you're ever like, oh, hey, I'm sorry for interrupting, or I'm sorry for whatever. Again, I will say the only time that that is like a, hey, sorry, is if I have like a big production episode or guest. Otherwise, if there's something you want to talk about, lay it on me. Uh, but Black Cat's gym membership got put on hold when she had fever dreams. You know, there's a, a lo-fi, uh, a lo-fi music artist called Fever Weed. And I don't know why, but I love that word. Fever Weed. It's fun to say. And the music's really good. If you're looking for a good lo-fi artist... I recommend Feverweed, and uh, if you do like one of those channel mixes, whatever, it's uh, it's good shit. Um, Black Cat says, Cunning. I tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. Because I can just load this up this way, what I'm going to do is, if you do not have this here, I will just give you a link to one of the songs, and so there. If you are interested in checking out some Feverweed, there's some Feverweed. Uh, with also Pawcut and the Jazz Jousters. But the the actual artist in and of themselves uh, is called Feverweed. The, yeah. So that's one. Maybe... Maybe it's paw cut. But anyway, feverweed is good stuff. Um, if you're looking for chill. So, that's that. That was kind of my day. My leg pain was at least a little bit better. But, again, I feel like I need to stretch that a little bit before I go to bed. So, I think I'm going to do that a little bit and then take uh, a little bit of a rag bath and go sleepy sleeps. Because... Like, as I've asked before, if you all can keep your fingers crossed for me, there's a request for a thing coming up at work, and I'm sincerely hoping that it gets cleared for being worked on, because that keeps me on the project that I want to work on for potentially another week, because I don't want to go work on this other fucking thing. It fucking sucks. So... I'm hoping that I can stick around on that. It's got neat potential. And just trying to do one day at a time. Thanks, Krista. And thanks, Black Cat, for her. I found, and I'm sure it's probably just getting old, or maybe my fingers are longer, but it's like, it's like hard for me to cross my fingers. Like, I'm so tight often. Like, I can't, I can't do it like that without first, like, stretching it. Now, once I... Once I sort of stretch the, the tendons or whatever out, like, then I can kind of do it. But, like, <laughs> crossing my fingers, it's so hard. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And now I'm going to turn it into a tomato because I'm going to take a drink out of my blue glass. <sighs> Hello, vodka, my old friend. Black Cat, are you going to make a clip of that and sing that to yourself later? I sing yourself the sound of vodka. The sound of vomit. 
You like that tumbler? This is um, oh, what is this? I think it, I think it's an Ozark Trail, but it's gigantic, and I love the design because the bottom still fits in like a cup holder, but it's gigantic. Holds a ton of liquid. The vacuum seal is really good, and uh, it keeps your drinks hot or cold for a long time. Um, and I used to, when we had our office, and I used to walk around at the office. What I used to do is pour a giant coffee in there and that way then as I <clears throat> made my rounds and talked to the people I needed to talk to I had hot coffee and didn't have to constantly be like I'll be right back I'm getting another cup of coffee the thing holds I don't know I think it's 32 ounces or something like that so it holds a lot of liquid uh Jaggedy Gaming says that's a very manly Robin's Egg Blue well yes but here is the other thing as I'm sure many of you have experienced I bought it off of Amazon, and for whatever reason, the Robin's Egg blue color, now granted, there is like a pink, uh, there's a gray, there's like a, uh, it's like a mint color, whatever, but for whatever reason, this blue one was like $8 cheaper, I'm like, I don't really give a shit, <laughs> Hell, I'll buy it if it is pink. I don't give a shit. For $8, it's a fucking cup. Like, what do I care? <laughs> so, Robin's Egg Blue. I would have preferred uh, purple, because I love purple, or possibly just like a gray or whatever, but the other nice thing about that is if you have it, because I brought this like to camping and whatever, it's nice because it uh, stands out even when the sun starts to go down, uh, because it is a brighter color. I'm going to tell you that it's my one recommendation for you. If you're going camping and you're not on some major seal excursion or hunting or whatever, don't buy shit that's camo and like green or whatever. You're going to drop it and fucking lose it. Especially when, again, when it starts to get dark. Buy shit that's like brighter neon colors so you can fucking see it. Like, who are you hiding from? Are you... <laughs> You're at, you're at a campsite with a bunch of your friends. Welcome, what the fuck? Uh, Jaggedy Gaming says, It's also North Carolina blue, and is a Kentucky fan that triggers me. Alright, I won't show it. I won't show it. Watch. Watch. Okay, I'm drinking. There, see, now you don't even have to see it. I, I, aim, to, I aim to keep people comfortable, so... I'll make sure you don't get triggered and uh, have some sort of fucking conniption fit. But also make sure, please, to follow Jaggedy Gaming. Jaggedy Gaming often streams in the morning, EST time, plays some cool games, plays a lot of World of Warships. It's always fun to have them on in the background when I start my day. So make sure you check them out. <laughs> Black Cat, that's going to be in your head all week now, isn't it? I want you to walk around town singing it. <laughs> you're, very, you're very welcome, sir. <coughs> mm. So, uh, what else is going on? Uh, I have a product to sort of demonstrate and show off tomorrow. Not that it was, that it's any big whatever thing in the world but it was a slight revelation 
um, for me, both because not only is it a different way of doing a thing I've done many times, but also has a secondary utility use uh, that I actually think is kind of cool. So a little bit of some product demonstration show off uh, tomorrow night. So if you're always interested in looking for some new little trinkets, you may want to stop by and check that out. Black Hat says, nobody would notice that around here. Yeah, because everybody there is all stoned. What song is that, man? Hey, should I do a stream or it's just me sleeping? I'm just going to leave my phone on and just stream me sleeping. There's people that do that. It's really weird. Like, I can... There's a whole lot of weird stuff that I get, but I don't understand the streaming while you're sleeping. Why? <laughs> unless, unless you're like, I sleepwalk and I do really weird shit, and you're like trying to... Some of them are like... It's like a fairly dark room that you can barely see, and the person's like nestled in a burrow of blankets. Does it put other people to sleep? Just watching somebody else sleep? <laughs> so sleepy. Um, I mean, I, I guess. I, no, I guess I never really thought about it that way. Mm, maybe, maybe I'll do it. I have a feeling that when you sleep, you turn into a, a werewolf and jump out the window uh, naked and howl at the moon and run around town and do all sorts of crazy shit, but that's just me. You'd be uh, so embarrassed as you myself probably do or say weird crap. Yeah, like you're sleeping and then you have some weird dream and you start shouting a bunch of just awful shit. You can hear people yelling in the parking lot. <coughs> Do you use black cat? Do you use like a like stuff like that? Really will like wake me up and whatever. Do you, like, but like white noise. Do you have like a white noise machine or leave like your phone or TV or whatever on? Like I know a lot of people used to leave their TV on. I know this uh, one dude. He had to like have the TV on, and specifically he loved falling asleep to game shows. So he would put his TV on the game show network. And then cover the screen with a blanket because he didn't want the light. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. It's sound, it's people talking, but it's not really like a storyline you follow. So, especially like the old 70s game shows where they had like Password. I feel like Password would be like you could fall asleep to Password. Maybe not something like, I don't know, Wheel of Fortune or... or Shows there's a lot of like game shows a lot of like screaming and yelling or something I don't know, but Bob Ross is like the penultimate fall asleep show that in this old house because even though there's like power tools and stuff on this old house, I feel like they always did a good job with the sound mix so it was never like deafening, and then it was always just like Bob Vila and Norm, and like the power of Norm's calming flannel, and his New England accent. Is to just talk about like woodworking projects that I could never in my life fucking do. <clears throat> Black Cat used to listen to Art Bell in the middle of the night and wake up when they talked about exorcisms and freak out. <laughs> what the fuck? Why would you listen? 
Why would you listen to this? That's like my grandma watching. I have to watch the news before I go to bed. And then she reads about all those all these crime and break-ins, and then she's just fucking terrified. Stop watching that! <laughs> You're watching Walker, Texas Ranger, and your pet. Walker, Texas Ranger is so fascinating to me because of how long that show was on and how many fucking episodes there were. It's bonkers when you look that up. Like, it's crazy shit. <laughs> when they have the EVPs of little kids, it's good to crap at me. But I like shit in my bed. Why? <laughs> oh, dear. You're one of the most amazingly unique people. And the fact that you are apparently much more soft-spoken than my ridiculous voice for you makes you out to be is hilarious. And I don't know if I believe it <laughs> because in my head, the zany, like near out of control character caricature that I have for you in my head is so fucking entertaining. Um, Art Bell is incredibly wonderful though. Just not those episodes. Not when they talk about that stuff. Dude, Chuck Norris jeans. The fucking fucking Chuck Norris action jeans. Those jeans were ahead of their time because they were made with some elasticine uh, in the material. And they had like an extra gusseted crotch, basically, so you wouldn't rip it out or crush your balls when you were doing kicks. And they were also sort of like slim tapered. And they sort of discontinued those for a while, but apparently the company that I think originally man manufactured them, Century Supply, which makes martial arts gear, Century, Century Martial Arts Supply still makes them. However, they aren't called Chuck Norris action jeans anymore. They're just called kicking jeans. Um, and when you look them up, yeah, they are like a, an elasticine denim blend with a gusseted crotch and blah, blah, blah. And I was surprised they were listed like super cheap. They were listed like super cheap. Um, but like, they don't have the sizes. It's like the maximum waist size is like a 30. I'm like, well, okay. So you got to be pretty small apparently to wear these, but they didn't have any of them in stock. Otherwise I was going to buy a pair just to see them. Black Cat says, I deleted that comment. Wait, you were the one that deleted, that had the comment about the, the kicking jeans? Why'd you delete that? That drove me nuts. I was like, I could swear to God, somebody fucking replied to me. You know, I feel like an asshole because I was like, oh shit. And I'm like, I didn't even see those. Like, wait, now you're saying no. All right, now I'm horribly confused. I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna take a sip of this drink, but I gotta hide the camera so Jaggedy Gaming doesn't have a meltdown. No, a comment you just made about ball crushing. Oh, that's weird because it didn't even show up on my panel. Why'd you? Why'd you? I want to know what your comment was about getting your balls crushed. That shit hurts, man. Like. 
I have the, I have this pair of this five one uh, five eleven tactical pants. I'm like I don't know how these are tactical because even if I wear compression underwear, those things just crush my nuts. Now, granted, Mister Cigar Girl's packing some heavy duty artillery, but I, I what I'm like it it's like. It rides up so high up into your inseam. I'm like, I, I don't understand. How who can wear these? Did I order like six extra extra inches on the inseam? But then that doesn't work because then what happens is then the then the crotch is too low, and then it's like stitched in, and then you got to do this like weird duck walk. Otherwise, you tear the you tear the crotch out of your pants. I don't get no. These are terrible. This is fucking terrible. Balls. So here's the thing. We'll we'll take the break slightly early today. So we're gonna do the podcast break now. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about a topic, as it were. So be right back. <laughs> bit more of a serious topic now. Of course, as there has been for years now, there is the idea of energy and power and going green and energy safety and cutting carbon and this and that and the other. And there's an endless struggle between the reality of being able to generate enough power using some renewable resources and not. That's evidenced by areas that are suffering from blackouts and issues, especially now with oil and turmoil overseas and everything else, with how do you get power to these plants and you want electric vehicles, but there's power problems with the grid and air conditioning and this and that and the other and all over the place. But one aspect or one technology that I realize is often seen as being very scary and gets in my personal opinion, a little bit of a bad rap is nuclear power. And look, I went back recently and watched the Netflix uh, series on Chernobyl, which is spectacular, by the way, spectacularly written, acted, shot, directed. It's just superb. But when you watch that and you see that disaster, you go, oh my God, why would we ever use nuclear power? This is such a disaster. We've poisoned the planet and all these people got hurt and so on and so on and so on, which I get. Absolutely. Um, the horrors of nuclear disaster are certainly those uh, that you need to take into account because that's uh, not like a small thing. It's a huge problem, right? And Black Cat says, Fukushima too. Interesting that you bring that up. And the reason why I say that's interesting that you bring that up is because we're going to explore an article here 
that was written by Michael Schellenberger. Um, <clears throat> this is an article posted on Forbes. This is written in 2019. I will link to this here in the chat if you care to read it. Um, Michael Schellenberger has written a whole lot of stuff and done a whole lot of research on energy, green power, um, uh, you know, sort of scientific breakdowns of that sort of thing. And so the title of this article is, it sounds crazy, but Fukushima, Chernobyl, and Three Mile Island show why nuclear is inherently safe. So, um, Krista says, I had to buy a pair of jeans from Walmart Friday because my sides blow and the pair I was wearing. Supposedly, they were my size, but also high-waisted. The crotch is, crotch is like an inch away from my actual crotch. But hey, I can't complain, they were $8. I mean, for $8, sure. But even still, I'm like, who's sewing these? How? All one person had to do was put these jeans on. Just try them on and tell me, who do these fit? Like, it's mind-boggling to me. I don't know, maybe it's because they're all made in different foreign countries and their bodies are different shapes. But I'm like, how can anybody wear these? Ugh. Alright, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get back to the this article here now. So Fukushima was a public health catastrophe, just not one caused by radiation. After a tsunami struck the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant in Japan eight years ago today, triggering meltdowns of the three reactors. Many believed it would result in a public health catastrophe. By now, close to one million people have died of causes linked to the Chernobyl disaster, wrote Helen Caldicott, an Australian medical doctor in the New York Times. Fukushima could far exceed Chernobyl in terms of the effects on public health. The rest of you hanging around to do well, you know the. Let me just read the article. I'm just going to read the article. Many pro-nuclear people came to believe that the accident was proof that the dominant form of nuclear reactor, which is cooled by water, is fatally flawed. They called for radically different kinds of reactors to make the technology inherently safe. But now, eight years after Fukushima, the best available science clearly shows that Caldicott's estimate of the number of people killed was off by one million. Radiation for, from Chernobyl will kill at most 200 people, while the radiation from Fukushima and Three Mile Island will kill zero people. In other words, the main lesson should be drawn from the worst nuclear accidents is that nuclear energy has always been inherently safe. The truth about nuclear power safety is so shocking that it's worth taking a closer look at the worst accidents, starting with the worst of the worst, Chernobyl. The nuclear plant is in Ukraine. Ukraine, which in 1986, the year of the accident, was a Soviet republic. Operators lost control of an unauthorized experiment that resulted in the reactor catching fire. There was no containment dome, and the fire spewed out radioactive particulate matter, which went all over the world, leading many to conclude that Chernobyl is not just the worst nuclear accident in history, but is also the worst nuclear accident possible. 28 firefighters died after putting out the Chernobyl fire. While the death of any firefighter is tragic, it's worth putting that number in perspective. 86 firefighters died in the U.S. in 2018, and 343 of them died uh, in the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Since the Chernobyl accident, 19 first responders have died, according to the United Nations, for various reasons, including tuberculosis, cirrhosis of the liver, heart attacks, and trauma. 
the UN concluded that the assignment of radiation as the cause uh, as the cause of death has become less clear. But what about cancer? By 2065, there may be 16,000 th thyroid cancers. To date, there have been 6,000. Since thyroid cancer has a mortality rate of just 1%, it is an easy cancer to treat, expected deaths may be 160. The World Health Organization claims on its website that Chernobyl could result in the premature deaths of 4,000 people. But according to Dr. Geraldine Thomas, who started and runs the Chernobyl Tissue Bank, the number is based on a disproven methodology. That WHO number is based on LNT, she explained, using the acronym for the Linear No-Threshold Method of Extrapolating Deaths from Radiation. LNT assumes that there is no threshold below which radiation is safe, but that assumption has been discredited over recent decades by multiple sources of data. Support for the idea that radiation is harmless at low levels comes from the fact that people who live in places with higher background radiation, like Colorado, do not suffer elevated rates of cancer. In fact, residents of Colorado, where radiation is higher because of high concentrations of uranium in the ground, enjoy some of the lowest cancer rates in the United States. Even relatively high doses of radiation cause far less harm than most people think. Careful, large, and long-term studies of survivors of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki offer compelling demonstration. Cancer rates were just 10% higher among atomic blast survivors, most of whom never got cancer. Even those who received a dose a thousand times higher than today's safety limit saw their lives cut short by an average of 16 months. But didn't the Japanese government recently award a financial settlement to the family of a Fukushima worker who claimed his cancer was from the accident? It did, but for reasons that were clearly political and having to do with Japanese government's consensus-based, conflict-averse style, as well as lingering guilt felt by elite policymakers towards Fukushima workers and residents who felt doubly aggrieved by the tsunami and meltdowns. The workers' cancer was highly unlikely to have come from Fukushima because, once again, the level of radiation workers received was far lower than the ones received by the Hiroshima-Nagasaki cohort that saw modestly higher cancer rates. But what about Three Mile Island? After the accident in 1979, Time magazine ran a cover story that superimposed a glowing headline, Nuclear Nightmare, over an image of the plant. Nightmare? More like a dream. What other major technology can suffer catastrophic failure and not kill anyone? Remember when the Deepwater Horizon oil drilling rig caught on fire and killed 11 people? Four months later, Pacific Gas and Electric Natural Gas Pipeline exploded just south of San Francisco and killed eight people sleeping in their beds. And that was just one year in 2010. The worst energy accident of all time was the 1975 collapse of the Bangkau Hydroelectric Dam in China. It collapsed and killed between 170,000 and 230,000 people. Nuclear's worst accidents show that technology has been always safe for the same inherent reason that it has always had such a small environmental impact, the high energy density of its fuel. Splitting atoms to create heat rather than splitting chemical bonds through fire requires tiny amounts of fuel. A single Coke can of aluminum can, pro can provide enough energy for an entire high-energy life. When the worst occurs and the fuel melts, the amount of particulate matter that escapes from the plant is insignificant in contrast to both the fiery explosions of fossil fuels and the daily emission of particulate matter from fossil and biomass burning homes, cars, and power plants, which kills 7 million people a year. 
It's not that nuclear energy never kills. It's that nuclear's death toll is vanishingly small. Consider nuclear's global death toll in context. These are just annual deaths. Walking, 270,000. Driving, 1,350,000. Working, 2,300,000. Air pollution, 4,200,000. By contrast, nuclear's death toll is likely to be around 200. And thanks to its inherent safety, the best available science shows that nuclear has saved at least 2 million lives to date by preventing the burning of biomass and fossil fuels. Replacing or not building nuclear plants thus results in more death. In that sense, Fukushima did result in a public health catastrophe, only it wasn't one created by the tiny amounts of radiation that escaped from the plant. The Japanese government, in the view of Chernobyl expert Geraldine Thomas and other radiation experts, contributed to the widespread view of radiation as a superpotent toxin by failing to return residents to the Fukushima province after the accident and for reducing radiation in soil and water to unnecessarily low levels. The problem started with an over-evacuation. 60,000 people were evacuated, but only 30,000 have returned. While some amount of temporary evacuation might have been justified, there's simply never any reason for such a large and long-term evacuation. About 2,000 people died from the evacuation, while others who were displaced suffered from loneliness, depression, suicide, bullying at school, and anxiety. With hindsight, we can say the evacuation was a mistake, said Philip, Philip Thomas, a professor of risk management at the University of Bristol and leader of a recent research project on nuclear accidents. We would have recommended that nobody be evacuated. Beyond the evacuation was the government's massively exaggerated cleanup of the soil. To give you a sense of how exaggerated the cleanup was, consider that the Colorado Plateau was and is more naturally radioactive than most of Fukushima after the accident. There are areas of the world that are more radioactive than Colorado, and the inhabitants there do not show increased rates of cancer, noted Dr. Thomas. And whereas radiation levels at Fukushima decline rapidly, those areas stay high over a lifetime as the radiation is not the result of contamination, but of natural background radiation. Even residents living in the areas with the highest level of soil contamination were unaffected by the radiation, according to a major study of nearly 8,000 residents in the two to three years since the accident. In 2017, while visiting Fukushima for the second time, I lost my cool over this issue, jet-lagged in Hungary and witnessing the ridiculous and expensive bulldozing of the region's fertile topsoil into green plastic bags, started grilling a scientist with the Ministry of the Environment. Why were they destroying Fukushima's precious topsoil in order to reduce radiation levels that were already at levels far lower than posed a danger? Why was the government spending billions trying to do the same thing with water near the plant itself? Was nobody in Japan familiar with mainstream radiation health science? At first, the government scientists responded by simply repeating the official line. They were remediating the topsoil to remove the radiation from the accident. It almost sounds like there's an air raid siren going off. Isn't that ironic? I think it's a... No, that's a fire truck. I decided to force the issue. I repeated my question. My translator told me that the expert didn't understand my question. I started arguing with my translator. Then, at that moment, the government scientist started talking again. I could tell by the tone of his voice that he was saying something different. Every scientist and radiation expert in the world who comes here says the same thing, he said. We know we don't need to reduce radiation levels for public health. We're doing it because the people want us to. 
The truth of the matter had been acknowledged, and the tension that hung between us had finally broken. Arigatou Gozamasu, I said, genuinely grateful for the man's honesty. The man's face was sad when he explained the situation, but he was also calmer. The mania behind his insistence that the contaminated topsoil had required cleaning had evaporated. And I wasn't mad anymore either, just relieved. I understood his dilemma. He had only been repeating the official dogma because of his job and the larger culture and politics required him to. Such has been the treatment of radiation fears by scientists and government officials, not just in Japan, for Japan, for over 60 years. There's no evidence that low levels of radiation hurt people, but rather than be blunt about that, scientists have in the past shaded the truth often out of a misguided sense of erring on the side of caution, but thereby allowing widespread misunderstanding of radiation to persist. We also now know that when societies don't use nuclear, they mostly use fossil fuels, not renewables. After Fukushima, Japan closed its nuclear plants and saw deadly air pollution skyrocket. The biggest losers, as per usual, are the most vulnerable. Those with respiratory disease, such as emphysema and asthma, children, the elderly, the sick, the poor, and who tend to live in the most polluted areas of cities. It's also clear that people displace anxieties about other things onto nuclear accidents. We know it from in-depth qualitative research conducted in the 1970s that young people in the early part of the decade were displacing fears of nuclear bombs onto nuclear plants. Nuclear plants are viewed as little bombs, and nuclear accidents are viewed as little atomic explosions, complete with fallout and the dread of contamination. It is impossible to view the Japanese public's panicked overreaction to Fukushima and not see it as a partly motivated by the horror of having seen 15,897 citizens instantly killed and another 2,533 gone missing after a tsunami hammered the region. The sociologist Kyle Cleveland argues persuasively that Fukushima was a moral panic and that the panic was motivated by a desire by the Japanese news media and public for revenge against an industrial and technical elite viewed as uncaring, arrogant, and corrupt. After Fukushima, investors poured millions into so-called advanced nuclear startup companies proposing to use chemicals, metals, or gases instead of water for cooling the uranium sorry, for cooling the uranium or thorium fuels in nuclear plants. Often, they inadvertently reinforce the worst of the public's fears. It's one thing when anti-nuclear activists fearmonger about Fukushima. It's quite another when supposedly pro-nuclear advocates do so. Worse, the notion that one could look at the design of a nuclear plant and declare it safer than existing nuclear plants is transience at best pseudoscience at worst. To compare the relative safety of different kinds of nuclear reactors, one would need decades of operational data, which don't exist for non-existent designs. And even then, one would likely need a lot more accidents and deaths to tease out any sort of correlation. When pressed as to supposed safety advantages, advocates of radical innovation in nuclear often slip into claiming that this or that design will be far cheaper than today's designs. But the cheapest nuclear is the kind that humans have the most experience building, operating, and regulating. Slow, conservative, and incremental innovation is what has made nuclear plants cheaper, while radical innovation has made it more expensive. Was anything better for the U.S. nuclear industry than Three Mile Island? Not a single nuclear industry executive would have said so at the time, but in the decades since, many of them came to believe precisely that. In response to Three Mile Island, nuclear industry stepped up training, checklists, and a better oversight. The result was that nuclear plants in the U.S. went from operating at 55% to over 90% of the time. 
Anti-nuclear activists have long claimed that there is a trade-off between nuclear safety and economics when it comes to the operation of plants, when the reality the opposite is the case. With improved performance came far higher income from electricity sales. Might Japanese nuclear leaders look back on Fukushima the same way one day? That depends on what they do now. To date, Japanese leaders have tried to make amends to the public for the Fukushima accident, but they've done so in ways that have reinforced the view of radiation as a super potent toxin and without building any greater trust in the technology. For decades, nuclear leaders in Japan and the U.S. reinforced the notion that nuclear is an inherently dangerous technology, but one that they could control. When it became clear that they couldn't control it, the public understandably assumed they had been put in danger. The truth is, in part, more reassuring. The radiant particulate matter that escapes from the worst nuclear accidents isn't all that dangerous because there isn't all that much of it. But another lesson is that humans are never in absolute control of our technologies. If we were, then nobody would die from exploding natural gas pipelines, plane crashes, or collapsed hydroelectric dams. The question is not how humans can gain absolute mastery, since that's impossible, but rather which machines, on balance, deliver the most good with the least harm. On that metric, nuclear power has always been inherently the safest way to power civilization. So, uh... I'm not saying I necessarily agree or disagree. However, in the link that I posted in chat, and I'm going to post it again, there are many hyperlinked articles that I also read. Um, if you have interest in it at all, I would recommend that you follow those links and read those papers as well, along with the names of the scientists and the studies and all of the rest of their data. Sort of a, to quote LeVar Burton, uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Um, you know, I, I always think a lot of this stuff is at the very least worth thinking about. I, for a very long time, had uh, a huge fear of nuclear power. And now I'm not so sure. Um, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Um, and contribute in into one research product. Rocky Flats nuclear plant shut down 30 years ago, but it's still a hot topic. Once the refiners and science and all files are gone. You know, it's, um, we are technically intelligent enough to create advancement, not wise enough to, well, I think your, your last statement there, Black, cat is sort of like what he says at the end of that it's just that in some cases as we've had disasters from these things what you would hope they would do is prevent a rush from cheap and quick and instead cause greater safety um if you read up on the collapse of those hydroelectric dams uh that is absolutely terrifying um, and that's massive amounts of people that died. And what I also sort of find slightly odd, and I say slightly odd because it just gives me pause, is that a lot of these other green or renewable whatever ideas come about, they all seem to come with an implied free 
and that they are completely without any negative effect. But as you can read on the studies of some wind turbines, that's not true. And of the materials needed to create things like solar panels, also not true. Same thing with lithium-ion batteries. Uh, some of the damage that's being done due to the harvesting of lithium-ion and the mining for all the precious metals needed in those technologies, it's not good. So I am not saying I have any answer on this whatsoever. It's just an, a point of thought. Um, the man who wrote this article, Michael Schellenberger, is on Twitter. So if you're interested and so inclined enough, you could always ask him about some of these things and bring them up. So all I'm saying is when you round all this up, there's a whole lot of money at play. There's a whole lot of politics at play. Um, there's science and there's science. There's, there's a million different ways to look at a million different problems. And I, much like when I'm engineering something, if you get too focused on that thing right there is the source of the problem, you often miss a lot of other secondary or tertiary effects or mistakes. Um, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've been fascinated by the idea that, you know, bee and amphibian, uh, populations are dying and disappearing. And that if that eventually does happen, uh, you could think about just widespread disaster. And why does that never seem to really get talked about so much? So this is just an interesting thing to me because going back and looking at some of the numbers and looking back at some of the stats for as much as, yeah, nuclear accidents are terrible and have the potential to be terrible. Um, and, and to even talk about Black Cat's thing about this Rocky Flats. It's been studies about people living near power lines and uh, incidences of cancer and stuff living near power lines. But I never really hear a whole lot of that often discussed either. So I think like a lot of things, um, as much as it sometimes makes me uncomfortable, explore some curiosity on these things and I'm not going to say go at them with an open mind because I fucking hate that statement. But that's more of a, even if it gives you some distaste, it's, I think, worth getting some knowledge by people who are creating some papers that don't have that hysterical edge to them. And I think that's what sort of struck me about that article is that it was sort of walking back from some of the hysteria and just bringing up some counterpoints there wasn't a whole lot of anger finger wagging or whatever to it but that's just me uh if we could curtail our material consumption of useless crap that's one small thing we could do i mean the amount of garbage produced by just such stupid shit even just the packaging and stuff that you get now like you like everything doesn't need to be in this giant sterile bag or box like this mug 
It's a metal mug. This could have been in a bamboo envelope. Like, fucking A. Like, you know? Didn't, like, a lot of that stuff. Like, it's all goddamn plastic. Plastic, plastic, plastic all over the place. It's like, Jesus. Meow the cat was stopping in. I'm not going to read the second part. He's gracing us with his presence. And as a positive note, have an awesome stream. He's not at home, but still wishes us fun. So make sure you stop by. And if you can, check out Meow the cat. Um, I, you know what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to collect this link and I'm going to take this link and without connecting any names, I am going to bring these up and send these to the person who wrote that article and see what he says. Because uh, I've had some discourse with him before and he was fairly measured. But that, uh, you know, I watched the Chernobyl thing that is shocking and terrible. And especially when you watch like the first couple of episodes, the tension of what's happening is just incredible. And I went and visited a friend uh, that lives in Pennsylvania and they live near a nuclear reactor. And I recall looking at it and, and it's bizarre to me. You look at that. And there's always a sense to me of fear. I'm like, but it's a nuclear power plant. <sighs> but then I worked downtown and I worked near a place that was like for oil and natural gas. And if you look at the instance of how many disasters happen, one versus the other, I was probably more danger near the latter than I was the former. So I don't know. It's just interesting. Bureaucrats are bureaucrats have always been a fucking problem. I agree with you on that a thousand percent. I mean, shit, I deal with them on a dipshit. Why is my camera all fucked up? I deal with them on a, a smaller basis, just at my job, and that's without having to deal with people dying in public safety. It's just, uh, so that's that, uh, we're going to end it. I hope that didn't rattle anyone's cages or sabers too much, but it's, it's another thing that's part of our lives in the era that we live in. So. It's up to me. It ain't shit up to me. I'm just going to go. I just want to go off into the mountains and have a cigar. Uh, it's fucking. I'm done. I'm done arguing and fighting over that stupid shit. I don't have the. I don't have the. I don't have the patience to play political games. I really don't. I am uh, in that regard a little bit too much of a hothead. So, yeah, um, tomorrow we'll be back, quote-unquote, off serious topics and back uh, more to just fooling around. I've got some interesting little products 
Uh, Black Cat wants to go off into the mountains and have a campfire with coffee. Oh, God, that sounds good. Just sitting on a nice, cool mountain with a cup of coffee and just watching the sky. That's, like, all I fucking want to do anymore. Alrighty. Rebalance my camera. That's going to do it. So, thank you so much, everybody, that stopped by, including... Krista with the 10 bits. Krista, again, thank you so much for the cheering the 10 bits. I really appreciate it. Black Cat's Poppy, Jaggedy Gaming, and Meow the Cat for all stopping by to say hello. Really appreciate all of that. So uh, let's go ahead and say stay safe, keep the faith, and all of that good shit. We will see you again tomorrow night. So let's raid a mega pint. <clears throat> Make a pint, make a pint, make a